Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Down the Middle with Doc and Zip. We have a lot going on in the golf world. The Barbersaw Championship is going to tee it up here this week in Nicholsville, Kentucky, right, right outside Lexington. We're also going to talk about the Open Championship that's going to tee it up in Northern Ireland. And uh, I'm going to share some of my thoughts about uh, my golf experience in Scotland from 2006. And we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about some club fitting at GolfHQ.com and all the great things happening there in the store with Zip. So how are you, Zip? Good, Doc. What's up, brother? Good to be with you. It's been a few uh, few weeks. Busy, busy. Busy, busy. And I know you and I talk uh, on a pretty regular uh, schedule, and I know you've been working hard on your golf game, and you even made some driver adjustments. I'd love to hear about those. I, uh, that driver uh, experiment lasted about a week. <laughs> I've uh, always been an advocate and a fan of, um, you know, I don't want to say I've, I'm against 45 and 46-inch drivers and these lengths that are kind of become stock, you know, out on the showroom floor. But, um, you know, the average driver length on tour is about 44 inches, 43 and a half. And, um, you know, everyone, you know, especially the manufacturers, they're going to boast and claim that, you know, everyone is going to, you know, hit these longer shafted drivers, you know, farther. Uh, because you do add club head speed, the longer the shaft, of course. But it doesn't do you any good if you lose control. Um, and, you know, with the shorter shaft of the driver, it's just easier to hit the sweet spot. And nothing relates to distance uh, more than hitting the sweet spot. So um, I trimmed my driver to 43 inches. And, you know, it, it just killed the launch angle. Um, it wasn't spinning enough. Um, it was a fairway finder, but I, I, you know, I noticed immediately that it just wasn't hitting it as far, just not staying in the air long enough. Um, so I did, uh, reshaft and put that inch back on there and it's just night and day. I mean, it's at 44, which isn't super, super long. Um, nothing that I can't handle. It was just a quick experiment and, uh, it didn't help that I've kind of been battling a sore lower back the last couple weeks. Um, but I did get out Friday and, uh, Finally played some good golf, um, hit the ball well. And uh, I got a new club in the bag that I just put in, a uh, Tour Edge Exotics Hybrid, um, a number three. And uh, I don't know if you ever hit a Tour Edge Exotics club, uh, but I've talked about them a little bit. But their fairway woods and hybrids are absolutely phenomenal. Um, just the technology and the research and development that goes into the, uh, creating uh, their equipment, especially their woods um, and hybrids. I and mean, there's no... You know, no, uh, no surprise that, um, there are, they get a ton of exposure on the three major tours, um, and don't pay a lot of endorsement money. Um, and they, these clubs just find their way into these pros bags. I mean, they're just a fun club to hit. The sound is great. It looks phenomenal. It feels good. And I mean, it's just so easy to hit. I only hit it twice. Um, second shots on, uh, two par fives. Um, but, Excited to get out there and hit it again. Just a great club. And I've had the four wood um, in my bag uh, for about two years now that I absolutely love. So Torridge, four wood and hybrid. Of course, the rest is Mizuno, which I uh, still love. And now i uh, got my back uh, feeling a little better. So excited to get back out there again, of course. And um, you shared some swing videos with me. It looks like you've been doing some good work. I heard you played some of your best golf uh, in a while, a few rounds ago. I've had a chance to get out and play a little bit and practice uh, working on the golf swing, doing a lot of drills 
And uh, one of the things that's been kind of fun for me working at Cherry Blossom is I, I'm surrounded by a lot of young kids that are very good golfers. And uh, we have a young man here in Georgetown named Just, Justin Warman that uh, he played in two pre-qualifiers on back-to-back days and shot uh, 69-66. And when, you, when you're playing with really good players who hit the ball a mile, these young kids that are 21, 22 years old, you know, we've talked about Billy Tom Sargent. Uh, he's also in that group of young men that I, I have a chance to uh, to spend some time with. Uh, it's just a lot of fun to go out and, and, and try to knock it around with those guys. And, um, you know, one of the things we're going to do in this episode, Zip, is we're going to really shine a light on the uh, Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania area with the DTM conversation. We're going to bring in Todd Franco, who's the editor of the Youngstown Vindicator and chairman of the Greatest Golfer of the Valley Tournament there in your area but i'm a little jealous that you have so many wonderful golf courses right there in your backyard yeah we got uh you know i'll mention it uh later a very interesting stat that blows you away is uh youngstown ohio region is second to only myrtle beach in the country for uh the amount of golf courses per capita which is absolutely incredible um you know from donald ross to pete Dye, arthur hills um all your top architects, um, some of the greater best public courses and top notch private clubs, um, you know, in the area that, um, you know, give back to the community and help out with this greatest of the golfer, greatest golfer of the Valley tournament that we will break down, uh, and discuss later in our conversation. Um, but yeah, golf in this area is phenomenal. It's affordable. Um, and it's finally quit raining folks. So, uh, there's a lot of stay and play opportunities here as well, um, with a lot of, lo- a lot of local hotels and lodges. Uh, so it is, it's a, it's a cool area, uh, especially if you're an avid golfer. You know, we've talked a little bit about, uh, just the ungodly amount of rain we've experienced in, in the spring and the summer. And, and my hope is that Hurricane Barry's not, uh, going to be the unofficial sponsor of the Barbasol because the Barbasol really took a beating last year with the weather and they need good weather this year. Yeah, definitely. We, uh, we talked about that in the last episode with tournament director, Brian Pettigrew. Uh, you know, he was praying for good weather and you know we're pulling for him as well, but tournament week is here. The Barbasol championship uh, in your backyard dock uh, at Keen Trace uh, golf course that I have played. Um, and I've kind of been following those guys and on social media, they do a great job on their social media, on their Instagram and their Twitter pages, just all the things that go in, um, you know, to uh, hosting a PGA tournament, you know, in this case, uh, PGA tour opposite the British open. Um, they got a field of some names you're going to recognize, of course. And then they got some names that uh, you might not recognize, but you know, British open, you know, in Northern Ireland is five hours ahead of us. Here on the east, you know, eastern uh, time zone. So why not watch the Open Championship in the morning? Have your breakfast, uh, then go out to Keen Trace if you're in Central Kentucky or Southern Ohio, um, and go out and watch those guys and support that tournament as well. You got plans to uh, take the wife out there? I'm gonna try to get out one day at least uh, to follow the guys around a little bit. The big news here in my area is Long John Daly is in the field. Uh, he was denied the opportunity to play in the Open <laughs> Championship. No golf cart for John well, he's, Ireland. Yes, right. but he's going to fire up the golf cart here uh, at the Barbersaw, and I just want to go follow him for a few holes and watch him hit some of those those booming drives. Uh, Jason Duffner is also in the field. So there are some pretty good players 
uh, that are going to be here. And uh, you certainly, if you get, get the chance, get out there and, and see some of these uh, professional golfers play. I mean, they, they're just so good. Uh, you know, the old commercial, these guys are good. I mean, I, nothing can be uh, more spot on. These guys are fantastic. So get out there and watch them play. So, Zip, as we look at the Barbasol, uh, as always, we want to share our, our picks with the folks. And uh, as you alluded to, uh, maybe some guys you've heard of, maybe some guys you haven't. But in my mind, this is an opportunity for, for some guys, maybe a journeyman or a young guy wanting to really make a name for himself, has a great opportunity here to win this event. So who do you have this week at the Barbasol? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's uh, my, kind of my sleeper pick, my dark horse, um, fits that bill perfectly as far as uh, maybe a journeyman or a, not a household name, but someone that's had some success. Um, and it's kind of a little local flavor being from the Cincinnati, Southern Ohio area area. Um, I'm going with Jim Herman. Uh, he has uh, played some good golf this year and would be a great uh, step um, in his career to finally get it done. Um, get a PGA tour event to win under his belt. Uh, especially when a lot of the big guys um, are overseas. Um, I also like Harris English, uh, multiple winner on tour, uh, great young talent who's a little older now, a little uh, little wiser probably, if you will, as well. Good golf course for him. Um, you know, it's going to be a birdie fest. I mean, they, they've done what they can to the golf course to stretch it out. I think it's at 7,300 yards. Um, but the rough is going to be thick, depending on what kind of weather – uh, comes um, your way down there, you know, is going to add a little more teeth to the golf course. But uh, Troy Merritt last year opened with a 62, um, and I believe he finished at 24 under par for the week. So it's going to be a pretty fence. These guys are going to go low. Um, Harris English hits it plenty long enough. Good ball striker, and he's a good putter. Um, and then I, I like Jason Duffner. Uh, he's had a good year, his best season on tour um, probably in a few years. He's got a couple runner-ups this year. Um, so I'd like to see uh, Duff. Uh, get it done and get some momentum heading into the uh, final stretch of the season uh, into the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, Doc, who do you like? Well, again, I think it's an opportunity for guys kind of to, to jumpstart their careers. You have a guy like Chad Campbell, who's a former PGA championship. He was in the event last year. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I think you can see at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, my sentimental pick is Bill Haas. I'm a big Bill Haas fan, and, uh, you know, he's the former uh, FedEx champion. Uh, he's really struggled uh, both on and off the course uh, this year, um, was involved in a car accident in which uh, the passenger didn't make it. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of had a rocky year, and this is a great opportunity for him maybe to uh, to kickstart, um, you know, his career and get back in the winner's circle. And then a guy like Jonathan Bird, maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with Jonathan Bird, but I, he, I did follow him a couple holes last year. He has one on tour uh, and, and he did play well last year. So, uh, you know, look for Chad Campbell, Jonathan Bird to be in the hunt. Hopefully my man Bill Haas will be there. And the big question is, will J.D. make the cut? And uh, my guess is no. Too many Diet Cokes and cigarettes for my man J.D. <laughs> He's got a golf cart, correct? They are going to permit him to He's got a golf cart. Yeah. So that's, I don't know, that can either help or hurt our man J.D. I just don't – I didn't he just get bit by a brown recluse or something crazy? Yeah, I saw that too. And uh, kind of neat um, little story here a couple weeks ago. Uh, well, it's been about a month now. We had a really big AJGA event 
in town at uh, Mill Creek Golf Course, uh, which is just across the street from uh, Golf Headquarters. And uh, we have a good relationship with them. 36 holes, Donald Ross Club, uh, built in uh, you know, the 1920s. And uh, big AJG event, kids from all over the uh, country and all over the world. Uh, China, Mexico, um, you know, Cuba, Canada, um, just a great event. And uh, little John Daly was in the field. He was there. Um, so pretty cool. Little John has a sweet swing, and I love watching him yes, in, the fa- in the father-son event. Uh, he was knocking it out there pretty good. So uh, hopefully he plays little John. Plays in a lot of um, – yeah, he likes to move the ball. He's, a, he's an old soul, kind of get that old – he plays with a lot of feel, uh, you know, for a kid uh, his age. Um, he hits a lot of knockdowns and little three-quarter shots, which is very cool to see. I like to see that restored, especially with the with the juniors and the young guys. And the big excitement, as you well know, is, uh, you know, it's, it's time for another major. And uh, Tiger's been getting a lot of criticism for not playing a whole lot leading up to uh, the Open Championship. But I don't know if you saw his social media recently. He's getting up at, like, 2 in the morning to get used to the time change over in Northern Ireland. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to help him or not. That's crazy. But Tiger is, you know, mentally one of the strongest players of all time, if not the strongest player of all time. That's if it's not a physical edge that he, you know, that he, if it's a physical edge that he lacks against all these young guys nowadays, um, he can at least get one up on them in the uh, mental game department. But he, you know, we all speculate. He did finally admit, you know, Hey, you know, it's not so much, it's not so much pain. It's just feeling a little different, feeling a little older, feeling a little tighter, um, you know, with that back. And, um, you know, just he thinks the recipe is to not play as much. Um, others will criticize him and say he needs, he needs more reps. Um, but I don't think he, you know, he's going to forget what the, what the tournament setting um, feels like. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if, how it's the first year, and I understand why they did it with the FedEx Cup and the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, you know, and then Olympic years and why they moved the PGA uh, to May from August. It just I don't know. It's odd that this is the last major of the year. Uh, it feels it feels weird. I'm mean, I'm sure we'll get used to it, but I don't know. Does it feel kind of different and kind of off to you? Yeah, it, it does feel a little different, and it just kind of slipped up on us. You know, you, you slide the uh, the PGA in there uh, in a different different place. And, uh, you know, August was always kind of a fun time because you're gearing up for the PGA Championship, and then you had whatever team events were coming up. But, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. But, um, you know, I, I know that a lot of guys played last week at the Scottish Open, kind of getting ready for course conditions overseas. Uh, the John Deere, um, you know, had a pretty good field. Uh, the week before the open, but uh, as I kind of look at the at the field here, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our picks. I think personally, uh, my pick to win the open this year is going to be Adam Scott. I just think he's swinging so good right now, and I think it's his turn. Yeah, I cannot argue with you there. As a matter of fact, he was very close to being my pick. Um, <laughs> in three of the last four open championships, Adam Scott has had a share of the lead in the final round. Um, incredible stat. So he's putting himself there. This will actually be his last major start in his 30s. The next time he tees up in a major, our man Adam Scott will be 40 years old, and that makes me feel really old. And, you know, we always talk about what a picture-perfect golf swing Adam Scott has, and probably the only thing that that has stopped him from being 
um, you know, a multi-major winner is his putty stroke. He's yep. he's messed around with the long putter for a long time, and you know he was one of the first guys to putt with the flagstick in, and uh, that drives me crazy as well. But uh, I think Adam Scott's going to get it done. I also see a guy like Bryson DeChambeau. He's kind of my American dark horse pick, uh, and I think Paul Casey's also going to play pretty well. But those are the three that I'm going to keep a watchful eye on as we get up really early to watch the Open Championship. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. We had breakfast at Wimbledon last week. We'll have, uh, well, I don't know, it's not really breakfast at the Open. It's uh, more of like a midnight snack. I think they come on at 1 a.m. <laughs> on the Gold Channel. So, um, kind of interesting tidbit. You know, never, uh, we're never short on storylines going into the majors. And uh, it's funny, Tiger uh, mentioned in his presser that uh, he had texted Brooks Kepka see if he wanted to play a practice round together. And Brooks, uh, didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. He didn't respond. He ghosted Tiger via text. And a lot of people are speculating that maybe Brooks didn't want to play with Tiger in a practice round because uh, he didn't want to see Tiger. He didn't want Tiger to see his prep work because uh, Brooks kept his caddy. Ricky Elliott is a native of Royal Port Rush. He grew up playing the golf course. He's been a member at Royal Port Rush for 30 years. So, Talk about a home field advantage. Talk about some course knowledge. Uh, how can you not pick Brooks, um, you know, having a local caddy like that? Yeah, you've been on the Brooks train uh, pretty much the entire golf season, and who can argue with you? I mean, the guy's just phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I can very well see him getting another one uh, here in Northern Ireland. Yeah, but, you know, and, you know, then you got, uh, you know, you got Graham McDowell, calls Rural Port Rush home, grew up playing there, and uh, so did our man Rory McIlroy. Rory actually – holds the course record at Royal Port Rush. Uh, he shot a 61 there as a 16-year-old. Uh, he played on uh, the Walker Cup team um, there in 2007, uh, which was against a totally stacked U.S. team of Ricky Fowler and uh, Dustin Johnson. Um, Colt Notes was on that team. Um, so interesting stuff there as well. I do expect Tiger to play well. Uh, because, you know, Royal Port Rush, there's going to be a lot of irons off the tee, a lot of fairway woods. I perceive Tiger to maybe hit driver four times per round. Um, and that anytime you take the, the driver out of Tiger's hand and give him those long irons and, uh, you know, have him, you know, challenge him with a, you know, kind of a, a game plan or a course management setup, um, Tiger usually does very well. So it's going to come down to how he feels. Um, you know, and how many, uh, how he could roll the putts. Um, so, you know, I expect, I do expect him to play well, even though he hasn't played. Uh, but my picks, um, you know, for the open championship, um, you know, no surprise. Uh, I am going with Rory as my favorite. He's had too good of a year. Um, you know, I just know he's going to be right there at the, you know, to the very end. Uh, I like the, I like Justin Rose in this. Um, Justin Rose said it feels like he's been playing good forever. Um, this run he's been on, good golf, seems like it goes back, you know, 16, 18 months. Um, and these are just guys that always get up for the big events, especially, um, you know, near their, their home country and for Rory in his hometown. Um, and here's kind of a sleeper pick, if you will. Um, I kind of want to like to see Lucas Glover. Uh, play well this week. Um, he's having his best season on tour uh, in a very, very long time. Um, you know, his game kind of went into shambles. I know he had some off-course personal issues there a couple of years ago. Um, 
but Lucas Glover is a technician. He's a ball striker. Um, he's a good thinker. And, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, he played well, uh, he's played well last few weeks and I, uh, you know, I expect him to play good again. You know, and that depends on what the weather's going to do too, of course. That's always a storyline at the open, whether they're in Scotland, England, or Ireland. Um, I know earlier in the week it was close to 70 degrees. Um, but that can change, you know, in a blink of an eye. Um, what are your thoughts? And, uh, you know, I know you've played golf. Uh, you played golf on a lot of the major, uh, open championship courses. Uh, when you took a trip to Scotland a few years ago, I can't wait to hear about that. And, you know, kind of your uh, point of view there. But who do you like uh, in the open? Who are your picks? Well, again, I think Adam Scott is going to get the job done. I just think he's he's playing too good right now. And if he's able to navigate his way around the golf course, and as you well know, a lot of it depends on the weather and the conditions because uh, we both have, a, have an appreciation for link-style golf. And it's a completely different game. And really this is the only time of year we see this uh, type of, uh, type of preparation and some of the shots the guys are going to hit. Uh, but probably the, the highlight of my golfing life is in 2006, I went on a 10 day golf trip with some buddies to Scotland. Now I've never been to Ireland, but Scotland, uh, we know, we know is the home of golf. I had the, the chance to play the old course at St. Andrews three different times. I played Carnoustie golf links, which is probably the greatest golf course uh, I'll ever play. It was just phenomenal. Uh, I had a chance to play Royal Troon. Uh, with the famous postage stamp green, uh, played Turnberry, uh, played Presswick, which is uh, the site of the very first Open Championship, and just had a wonderful time. And if folks, if you're listening out there, if you ever get the chance to go on that uh, trip to Scotland, it's well worth the time and the money. Uh, but I will, uh, you know, give you a little disclaimer. And here's the worst part about it, Zip: as soon as you get off the plane, uh, your money is going to be cut in half because the American dollar just doesn't hold a whole lot of weight to the Scottish pound once you get off the plane. So uh, you're going to take a hit on the currency rate, but when you get there, you're going to love every minute of playing that link style golf. Uh, yeah. I mean, the big term, you know, you always hear is American golf is played in the air and then link style or, uh, you know, British golf is played on the ground, which uh, is a pretty good line and pretty accurate. I mean, you know, you could, you could very well, you know, see somebody this week, you know, pull out a putter from uh, 50 yards from the pin. I mean, just weird stuff, weird stances in the bunkers, um, you know, just you know, wind blowing sideways, um, just just some incredible stuff that takes a lot of imagination, a lot of thinking. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you, sh- you get a number to the pin and you, you know, you'll take, you can tell me this because you played there. I mean, if you got 157 to the pin, you know, 157 is not your number. I mean, you fly it all the way to the hole. A lot of times you're, you know, you're in trouble. So, you know, it's a lot of playing to different numbers and anticipating how the ball's going to bounce and react once it hits the ground. And, um, you know, is it going to feed this way to the hole? Is it going to bounce, you know, right? Is it going to bounce left? Um, but it looks like the key to this golf course is going to be, um, you know, it looks like there's a lot of ravines. There's a lot of cliffs. Um, where someplace like St. Andrews, um, you know, seems, you know, the old course seems to be a lot flatter, obviously. Um, interesting, this golf course, uh, Royal Port Rush here in Northern Ireland only has 60 sand traps, um, where, you know, some of your other, uh, host courses like the old course or Carnoustie, um, or Royal Burkdale are usually around 150 to 200 bunkers. Um, so I thought that was interesting. 
And, you know, I think we're a little spoiled here uh, in the States with the condition of golf courses as a whole. Uh, I mean, typically you play a quality golf course in America. You, you find lush conditions. Everything is green. Uh, there's a, an irrigation system that takes care of the golf course. And you don't see that in, in Scotland and Northern Ireland. Um, you know, there are a lot of rough, rough spots. It's going to look a little different on television than if you're going to, uh, you know, watch Jack's event there at the memorial. The golf courses look different. They play different. Uh, right. Scotland golf, it's, it's hard and fast, as you mentioned. And you're going to play a lot of shots that you don't play here back home. Uh, there's really no re- reason to take your 60-degree sandwich because you're not going to play that club around around the green. You may bump a five iron. Uh, you may have a putt that's 100 feet. So you're going to have to complete, you know, have a complete shift in, in how you think about working your way around those Scottish Lynx golf courses. One time you might use that 60 or 64 wedges in one of those really, you know, deep pot buckers with those 10 and 12-foot lips in front of you. Um, you know, like you said, it takes a lot of experience, and you have to learn to play that kind of golf. I mean, it took, you know, Phil Phil finally broke through and won, um, you know, his Open Championship. I mean, he, you know, he admitted it took him 20 years and he thought, you know, he, he openly said, you know, I never really thought or imagined that I'd ever, you know, you know, hone the game or master the shots I needed to win a British Open. So he was pretty proud of himself, um, you know, to get that done. And, folks, this is probably a good time to remind you that uh, our title sponsor is GolfHQ.com. From tee to green and head to toe, GolfHQ.com is the place to go. And, Zip, I know there are some exciting things happening there at the store. Uh, you've been given a lot of lessons, been doing a lot of club fittings, uh, getting ready for a big sale in August. So just tell us a little bit about what's been going on there at Golf HQ. Yeah, guys, uh, weather's been good. Uh, Continue some lessons, doing a lot of club fitting. Um, you know, people are so excited and can't wait to hit all the newest and greatest equipment and upgrade their, you know, upgrade their sets. Um, we're seeing a big, big um, surge in club fitting, um, you know, like you'd expect. Uh, and it's been great. It's, it's just a fun experience. Um, you know, I you know, I try to make it fun and informative for the customer, of course, for the player. But it's so much fun for me to see, um, you know, the player, uh, no matter their caliber, no matter their ability, just to, you know, to see their reaction and uh, just see how excited they get when they see the difference, um, you know, in their driver versus a new one or just, you know, getting them in the right loft or shaft and just seeing the, you know, just the results are right there in front of you. The data is there. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, had a, had a guy uh, about, a, about a week ago um, come in and get fit. Older gentleman, you know, in his 70s, um, but didn't play golf in his younger years, but he's played probably the last 15, 20 years, you know, and he said, you know, um, you know, being at his age, of course, he said, this is going to be, you know, the last set of clubs he'll ever buy. And, uh, you know, of course he had always, you know, dreamt and wished and hoped one day that he'd be able to own a set of Callaways. Um, so we fit him into the Rogue X irons, which is a little stronger loft, um, for that model, um, little thinner, hotter face, just a lot of technology, um, in an iron, you know, just, just, just super fun to hit, forgiving cavity back iron. And the one thing he was kind of, you know, kind of shied away from was 
yeah, he wanted to get fit, and I don't think he really knew what all went into it. Um, he stood very close to the ball, very upright. Um, he had very little knee flex or you know spine tilt at all. Um, so if you can imagine, you know, his toe was sitting pretty flat, and then he returned to that same position at impact. Um, so his toe was digging in pretty good, and I knew right away that he was, if he's, you know, insisted on you know standing like that, um, he was going to fit in at least two degrees upright and uh, fit him the old school way. Put him on the lie board and put the tape on the sole, and yeah, what do you know? He fit in the two degrees upright. You know, and if you know, and I inform, you know, educated him a little bit, and you know, he, uh, but he didn't want to fit in the two degrees upright. Um, he did not want the clubs <laughs> to fit him, which is kind of the purpose. You know, you want to you want to get a club that caters to you. You don't want to have to cater to the club. I mean, this game's hard enough. So uh, we adjusted his posture a little bit and, um, you know, his stance and got him, uh, you know, got his center gravity sitting a little lower and a little further away from the ball and got him in a nice natural position. And uh, his – his impact marks did move a little bit. His quality of ball, con- you know, contact changed. And, uh, you know, he took them as is, and he was excited to get out there and play them. And, of course, you know, we offer service after the sale. So I told him, you know, if you got any issues with them or, if, you know, you ever want to come back, and I'll be glad to bend them two degrees upright for you. So he was very happy, very thrilled. Good experience. So you want to jump over and see Zip if you're uh, looking for new equipment, if you want to go through a club fitting, or even if you have questions about, uh, you know, what ball to play or maybe the best glove on the shelf. I'm sure we'll be able to see what Tiger is going to wear this uh, week at the Open. You probably already have the display up in the store, and people can uh, buy all types of Open uh, Championship merch there in the store, can't they, Zip? Yep. As a matter of fact, uh, good segue, my brother. We just uh... – had the guys kind of merchandise and put out um, uh, all the new Puma stuff, some of the stuff that Ricky's going to be wearing this week. Um, new hats, new polos, um, and new uh, quarter zip pullovers. So, man, nice display there for our man Ricky, who we did not mention um, in our favorites. But uh, I hope Ricky plays well, too. I just can't wait. I know it's going to happen. I can't wait for him to win his first major. Um, I'm a big Ricky Fowler guy. Uh, but yeah, guys, girls, gentlemen, children, we have on golfhq.com, we have solid three button Oakley polos for $13.99. That is crazy. They are blowing, um, out of the store and out of the warehouse. Um, still got Oakley pants, the uh, take pro pants, uh, beautiful, comfortable pants, uh, moisture wicking and, uh, water repellent, uh, two for 60. Adidas Ultimate 365 shorts um, are on sale uh, for $29.99. Um, you know, and then in a couple weeks, uh, we have our annual uh, tent sale. If you're local in the area, in the Northeast Ohio area, um, where we got a lot of, you know, we got tents out in the parking lot, just full of great deals and merchandise. It's a long week for us, but it's super, super busy. Um, a lot of uh, this year's equipment will be marked down. Um, it's a, probably the best time of the year to get shoes. Um, we just got to, I mean, just hundreds of golf shoes, styles, um, you know, marked down. And uh, it, it's a really cool week. It'll be busy. Uh, that is the uh, first week of August uh, this year. And I believe it is the uh, golf headquarters. I believe it's the 24th, 24th, 25th annual tent sale. So it's a, uh, Pretty big thing in the Mahoning Valley um, for our local customers. They look forward to it every year. So uh, 
can't believe it's almost August, Doc. I know. It, it flies by. And, uh, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, Zip, as we approach the final major of the year, it's probably time for another giveaway. What, what do you have there at the store we can give to our listeners? Let's give away another dozen uh, Tyler's Pro V1X golf balls. They will say Zip on them. They're from my own personal stash, but uh, I don't think anybody minds that. I would be glad to give away a free dozen. And uh, let's do that for this episode's contest. Let's have the listeners uh, tweet us or email us um, a swing video, either down the line um, or facing them. And uh, we will pick one. And if we pick your video, uh, we, I will analyze it and give you some tips and pointers and kind of critique it um, in our next episode. And if I pick your video, not only will you get that little uh, free instruction, if you will, we will send you a dozen golf balls. So, uh, Doc, hit him up with the uh, email and the Twitter handle. Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, DTM Golf Pod. And you also want to connect with us via email at docandzip at gmail.com. Our Facebook continues to get a lot of traction, so you want to follow that and stay up to date with all the things that uh, we're talking about in the golf world. And what a great opportunity to send your golf swing. Post it on Facebook or Twitter uh, or make it available. Get it to us somehow. And uh, Zip, who is the head pro and lead club fitter there at Golf HQ, will give you a free golf lesson. So that's a pretty cool way to wrap up the major season yep bring those videos in uh can't wait to see them and uh hope everyone enjoys the open and or the barbasol and uh get out and play the game that we love and you know enjoy the weather i hope we have uh hope we have an indian summer hope we have a lot of a lot of good weather ahead of us hope it doesn't turn to fall or winter too quick we got plenty of time we got a lot of good golf left and when's the next blog coming out the next blog will be out uh, this Wednesday, uh, which is will be July 17th. And I was so excited about um, my hybrid choice that I did a little product spotlight uh, on Tor Edge. Uh, you know, for those that don't know much about the company, um, read my blog on uh, GolfHQ.com, and you can pick uh, hit the weekly blog link on the homepage. Um, I'll also share it on all our social media. Um, and uh, the article or the blog will include links um, to some of the equipment and some of the clubs that I'm uh, kind of talking about. And, um, you know, to golfhq.com if you do so, you know, what you like to purchase. Um, so, yeah, it is all about uh, Tor Edge Golf this week. And uh, just a little something different. Uh, try to change it up and keep it fun and entertaining, but also keep informative. It's now time for the DTM conversation, and we're thrilled to have our special guest this week, Todd Franco, who's the editor of the Youngstown Vindicator and chairman of the Greatest Golfer of the Valley Tournament in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. And Zip is bringing Todd to the to the show, and we're thrilled to have you, Todd. Glad to have you guys. I, I think that's the first time I've heard the title chairman, but I like that. <laughs> we get I, real we get real technical and real uh give a lot of high praise here I, on the show. I usually throw in the bottom of my emails greatest guru. <laughs> it's hey, funny how people we grab can, We can call you a guru. <laughs> so Zip, why don't you kinda of walk us through your relationship with Todd and uh, 
uh, as a as a Southern Illinois boy and a guy living in Kentucky, I'm not real familiar with Ohio Pennsylvania golf, but I know that uh, this is a big deal, a big event in your area. Yep, well, we're gonna get you uh, familiar, especially when you come visit me here in a couple weeks, hopefully. Um, I met Todd back in 2011. Uh, I was the assistant pro at Trumbull Country Club, and we hosted the, <clears throat> the junior finals uh, for the uh, local uh, tournament, the greatest golfer of the Valley, the Mahoning Valley, which is uh, Trumbull, Mahoning County, and some surrounding counties uh, here in Northeast Ohio and Western PA, as Youngstown, Ohio is kind of right on the border there. Uh, we hosted the junior finals. Uh, boys and girls that year in 2011 as I was the assistant pro there at Trumbull Country Club in Warren and, you know, kind of worked hand in hand with Todd and his staff. Uh, so we kind of met there and, you know, I did unfortunately move away from the area for six, seven years down to Lexington, Kentucky and uh, have been away, has been away from, you know, been away from Todd and the, the uh, program and the tournament, but it's grown and grown. Uh, it, you know, um, it's incredible what they've done. And um, Todd, I'm a, uh, Thanks for joining us. Glad to have you aboard. No, I am uh, thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be a representative of uh, 3,400 golfers in a small little community who compete with us every summer. Uh, 15 courses that directly partner with us. Um, seven great title sponsors and, uh, and, a, and a whole host of golfers who watch us from the sidelines uh, waiting for their chance to play greatest golfer in the Valley. Yeah, absolutely awesome. It's great to have, you know, kind of a, you know, with all the charity scrambles and things you see, you know, almost every day or at least every weekend at the local courses, it's great to have a serious kind of stroke play event where you're playing, um, you know, within your, you know, against guys, peers within your own handicap and abilities, uh, whether you're a, you know, 75 year old woman or a 14 year old, uh, you know, guy or, you know, boy or girl. Um, before we get into that and kind of, break down the tournament and, you know, talk about the ups and downs and the, the success that it's had. Tell us a little bit about Todd Franco. Um, I know Todd that you're... Franco's a meatloaf and potatoes guy <laughs> from Buffalo, New York. Um, grew up in a working class neighborhood, was blessed with a Catholic education and also um, a boys and girls club in my neighborhood. That was uh, the hangout for us from about four o'clock in the afternoon till nine o'clock at night from uh, fourth grade until 10th grade, 11th grade. So a lot of sports competition, just a good feisty neighborhood. I guess if you were to compare it here to Youngstown, it'd be similar to Struthers, just a, just a, right. a good meat and potatoes neighborhood. And, uh, and that's how I grew up. And that's, that's still how I live. Um, Brockport State University, Rochester, New York. Um, spent time in Corning, New York. Spent time in Nebraska. Spent time in Sandusky, uh, Rockford, Illinois, and now Youngstown, Ohio. How did um, or your interests growing up? I and mean, what uh, what sports, if any, did you play? And uh, you know, what so, was the young Todd Franco into? So Buffalo is hockey first, and I played hockey. Uh, I still play hockey now. Uh, pick up, pick up with the uh, with the old guys. But uh, hockey, lacrosse, soccer. Never played football because I was because I was always the pudgy kid who had, had to have played uh, a, a year or two above my my age because I was a little beefy. So, uh, so never played football, um, but uh, just about played every other sport. Loved racquetball, still love playing ping pong. So, uh, but all my organized sports have been baseball, baseball, lacrosse, hockey, soccer. Um, so you, came to, you came to Youngstown in what, 2008, was it? Yeah, 2007. 
to do that. So you grew up in Rockford, Illinois, and I had a chance to come here. This was a move back closer to home and uh, and took a jump at it, and I've loved it ever since. Awesome. I'm sure you fit right in. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, Youngstown to Buffalo, um, you know, blue-collar towns, uh, sure. strong strong Italian-American heritage, a presence, and, uh, you know, love their sports, but, you know, work hard, good family values, so I'm sure you – yeah, you know, when I when I came here, that's exactly what I saw. I mean, my, my neighborhood back in Buffalo is Jewish and Italian. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my my school was uh, 40% white, 60% minority. And uh, Buffalo is just a great melting pot. And when I got here, I uh, kind of felt the same kind of mix and blend of cultures and and, and such. So, loved it. How did you become the uh, editor, editor of the local uh, Youngstown Vindicator? Uh, the the media industry is, is a lot is similar to, uh, I'd say, a professional baseball. You got your uh, your minor leagues, your Class A markets, Class B, Class Double AA, A, Triple A major leagues, and so you uh, you uh, work your way up the ladder. And so I just uh, I got into management early on at a small paper in the Finger Lakes region of New York, and just uh, started becoming a manager. Right, I was a manager in, in in college, and I suppose if you were to back it up even further, all those sports teams that I played on, if I if I was playing. I ended up being captain of a lot of my teams. So I think coaches gave me some early leadership. I also probably became captain because I was also the kid in my neighborhood organizing the pickup hockey games and this thing called strike. Have you guys ever played strikeout? Um, it's, it's a form of baseball where you paint batter's boxes on the side of your school buildings. Never yeah, played. I don't, think, I, don't think I, ever, I don't think we ever called it. I, think, I don't know what they called it. I think I have to write a book <laughs> because, because I've only seen it in Buffalo. And it was just this cultural phenomenon growing up where right. we painted batter's boxes on the sides of the school buildings, and you hit it so far, it's a double. Hit it so far, it's a triple. Clear the fence, it's a home run. So we called it strikeout. And um, and I was always organizing strikeout games and street hockey games. So, yeah, so I guess, you know, getting into the management route, honestly, been managing since I was a little kid, just never knew what the hell it was called. Todd, as you think about golf in particular, how has that – been a part of your life growing up uh did you play as a kid and is it something that uh i mean are, are you a guy that goes out and plays two or three times a week now i never played golf <laughs> um i uh i started uh, borrowing clubs in college uh i mean uh, so i've always been a hockey player so when i shifted over to golf uh the guys i'm around now who are a lot smarter than me say that you darn hockey guys always have great swings because uh, that that motion of going down to get the puck, and uh, so it's a natural carryover to golf. Uh, borrowed clubs in college and just started playing, and then once I started getting in the business, scramble after scramble, I could hit the ball country mile back when I was you know twenty years ago and forty pounds thinner. So I was always uh, the invitee to a lot of scrambles, and that just kind of fed the ego, fed the juice. And just kept playing. I got down to a seven handicap a few years ago, and uh, now I'm about, playing about an eleven. You know, Zip and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, you know, it, it golf is a ball and a stick sport, and we compare it to hockey. We compare it to to baseball. I played a lot of baseball growing up, but the golf swing is really like no other sport I've ever tried to play. It's the hardest game I've ever tried to play, and I have heard that comparison that hockey is probably closer than any other. Uh, body movement in terms of trying to understand uh, the fundamentals and golf swing mechanics. So yeah. Zip, as, as a club pro, have you worked with many hockey players? 
You know, I haven't. Um, hockey wasn't real big, especially at the high school level when I grew up here. And, of course, obviously it wasn't real big in Kentucky. Um, worked with a lot of baseball players, of course, with those fast hips and that outside-in swing path. But, yeah, I mean, the slap shot's very similar uh, to the golf swing at impact and that release. Um, Correct. If you look at Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, I think a lot of those guys were scratch or single-digit handicaps. And, um, yeah, very, very similar. Yeah, a lot of go down and get, whereas I think right. baseball, baseball swing only has that go down and get where hockey, you got to get down there and, you know, the same definite knees and hip movement and twist, but that yeah. hands low, hands going down there and flipping those wrists. Right, right. Uh, you know, when you kind of came uh, to the area, you know, back in 08, 09, um, you know, during kind of the economic downfall um, in the country, you know, golf, like many things, had struggled and had to adapt and make changes, you know, to stay relevant, to stay afloat. Um you started the event, the greatest golfer of the Valley in 2010 was, was the first year. Um, you know, I, you know, in my opinion, um, I would say this series of tournaments, you know, what you started um, probably pretty much saved golf um, in the Valley, in the Youngstown area. Um, That's great to hear. Honestly, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And have you ever had a chance, you know, you and your staff or your guys kind of sit back and, been able to enjoy and see how much it's grown over the years? Well, um, to the end of the question, absolutely satisfied, thrilled, stunned. To the start of your point, I don't know if you'd be disappointed to hear this or thrilled, but the whole event was complete luck. And if you go back to that first year, I still remember the conversations. I still remember it. Um, and it, honestly, it's go back in, in all of our, you know, things that, that intersect our lives and the we learned that were fluke. Greatest golfer is a complete fluke. Um, I came here in 2007. The place I was at before had a county golf tournament where the, news, the, the sports staff sponsored it, and they just had all, you know, all the talent levels boiled into one pot. And I remember thinking, oh, it's kind of cool. You know, about 60 golfers showed up. But I knew, you know, that I wasn't as good as, you know, the bottom third of the guys, but the top third of the guys were – we're playing, even though they just they didn't have a chance. I just thought, you know, if you're going to do this, why? I mean, I played hockey. I was playing slow pitch softball. I know there's class A softball, class B, class C, class D. So why wouldn't we break up uh, the golf thing? So I just just filed it away, and we got here to uh, Youngstown, and um, we launched a new press. And when you launch a new press, you want to um, show off color. So I just thought that if we're going to have a new press and do something colorful. Golf is pretty colorful, and uh, what if we do 18 weeks of featuring a golf hole? Pick one hole per course, 18 courses, get to surround five counties, you know, showcases the area, showcases some mom and pop. I told you I'm a, I'm a meatloaf and potatoes kind of guy, and uh, I just thought it was a good vehicle to connect community and commerce. And uh, once we got that going, you know, once the talk was going, I looked at my partner and said, Hey, there was this place I was at before here. And we had a golf tournament at the end, at the end of our season. If we're going to do this for 18 weeks, what do you think about trying this golf tournament? And they're like, yeah, yeah, let's give it a shot. And um, he said, if we're to do it, we got to call these, these two people immediately because they were the keys to getting this going. And one was Dennis Miller out at, uh, at, um, at Mill Creek at the time. And then when we called Dennis, Dennis said, you got to cut, you got to call a guy named Ed Moransky. And literally those two phone calls 
launched us and it was completed by fluke. I remember in our office, I had to convince a couple managers that this was worth doing. And the one manager saw the value in building up a golfer database of email addresses and contacts because they would likely buy high-end items like jewelry and other things. So if you really want to know the truth, the chance to sell jewelry to golfers and their spouses was the reason greatest golfer exists. <laughs> you know, that's sometimes that makes the best stories and that's, you know, a lot of successes are by dumb luck sometimes. So that's, I'm Correct. Not, you know, super surprised to hear that, but, um, I remember when you guys did the 18 greatest holes of the Valley, I think you guys came out, you brought your camera crew and the trouble and we did number 10 and uh, I played the hole that day and broke it down and kind of described everything. And, uh, I'll never forget that day. It was, uh, I made par, I almost chipped in for birdie. Uh, but it was pretty cool. And that link, I don't know. I had, it used to have it saved somewhere, but you might have to, uh, bust out the archives and send that to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those who don't know. Project, but we knew right away. Yeah. We knew two things right away that first year. We knew that – remember, this is, that first year, that turn was just 97 golfers, and now we're at 3,400 wow. when you total up all of our events. So we've, we can talk about the, the events we've added in the timeline, but remember that first year was 97 golfers, and when we finished up, we came back to a wrap-up meeting, and I said there's two things to realize. The best thing we have going is this fluke 97 golfer thing. Mm-hmm. And the golf holes has a, is going to be limited. We can't just do 18 holes a year because it, it's going to ruin its effect. So we knew we had a, a one- or two-year lifespan of that. But when I left that tournament that, that year and all the appreciation and to see the young guys like Mike Porter and the old guys like George Rapaski telling me stories from the 50s and 60s, I was like, wow, we, we cut into this population that touches the 32-year-olds and the 82-year-olds. So. From there, we were just off and running. Yeah, that was really going to be my follow-up question, Todd, was just the level of excitement from when you started uh, Humble Beginnings to as it continued to grow and build momentum and really just to become this bigger-than-life event uh, that everyone expected year in and year out. What, what has the, uh, the process been like throughout, uh, like I said, Humble Beginnings to building that momentum to it becoming the thing to talk about there in your area? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a sweet nexus of competition, camaraderie, community, and commerce. Those four C's are kind of the four C's that I like to use. Um, the commerce has a couple different definitions. One, we keep the price pretty cheap, 100, 135 bucks for a chance to play 54 holes. You're guaranteed 36, and, um, and you're going to get a nice golf gift. You're going to get a, a couple lunches. You're going to get a cart. And, uh, and you just have a good day playing with people you're like. And the other part of the commerce is the um, the sponsors we, we've been able to get. We're at about 100-plus thousand in, in, um, in revenue, I think, from some generous sponsors. We can talk about them at some point. Um, so they like and, – and they're in it because they like the community that, that we've built. So I thought we, we focused on building a community, building commerce, and making content out of the whole thing. I mean, that's my life is content. And I think if you, t- if you talk to some of our guys, they've not been on the front page of the local sports section since their high school days back right. in the sixties and seventies. So along comes this event and all of a sudden, you know, we're using our content muscle, not much different than any other media, CNN, TMZ, uh, ESPN has been a model for me for a lot of projects. 
So we just threw our muscle behind it. So again, going back to those four C's, um, content, community, commerce, and, and camaraderie. Um, we just left our junior event today. And it's funny to still hear this 10 years later. Um, uh, people, people walk away saying it's serious, but it's not so serious. And that's exactly what I love to hear about our culture, about our format, is that we put on a good show, but I'm also the biggest goofball. You know, I love the tease and everything. So I think we have a good balance of putting out a good competition, but it's also just meat and potatoes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've heard that said many times as well. It's a good mixture of both. Um, I think that's why it's so successful, why everyone, you know, enjoys it and then, you know, signs up to play and looks forward to it every year. Um, you know, the Mahoney Valley, you know, an hour south of Cleveland, an hour west of Pittsburgh, um, you know, the, kind of that area um, has a has a reputation of being a little bit of a depressed area for the last 20, 30 years with a lot of – a lot of generations kind of moving away instead of, you know, staying put. Um, however, that's changing. That, that climate is changing, which is good. Um, you know, with that being said, uh, the Youngstown, you know, the Northeast Ohio area is second only to Myrtle Beach uh, for the most golf courses per capita in the U.S. I'm, I'm, I mean, a lot of people, well, I'm sure, are shocked to hear that. So how great is it that, you know, you have all these local clubs, both public and private, and, you know, some of the higher-end um, best private clubs in the area that want to be a part of this event that, you know, give you their golf course, uh, not just for one day, but for a couple, for the qualifiers, uh, for the finals. And uh, as the event grew year after year, was it easy uh, to get, you know, to have to add more courses just because you had more players? Were they, you know, were they chomping uh, at the bit to get involved? Yeah, no, the courses have an immense appetite for the event. If I could, um, if I could add four or five more events, and more courses. There's courses waiting to to get on. It's just been a great. I guess I think I tease that you know I'm not the brightest guy. We're just a meat and potato setup. It's the partnerships at the courses that have really been the fuel for us and the the glue that holds us together. Yeah, you know, I enjoy being the ringleader. I think if you think of an orchestra and the uh, and the and, and the, the baton wielding dude at the front, that's kind of me. But the talent. Right horns players and the and the bass players and the, and the, the percussion that's that's the the valley golf industry and it's been great to partner with them um they get me i get them um and, and i'm with a partner ted at the office and the two of us you know we kind of wander into their lives they give us feedback they they know they can call me on things and say todd you're absolutely wrong and uh and i listen you know and that comes i think from my journalism job of having to listen to people and know when your stories are right or your headlines and know when your stories and headlines are wrong. So that's kind of carried over. It took a little bit of proving, you know, as you talked about the Valley, it's a, it's a testy, saucy, uh, Robert Conrad, I dare you to knock this battery off my shoulder kind of, kind of community, you know, go ahead. I dare you. Is that, is that how the line goes in the commercial? And, um, and so, you know, a couple, several of the courses kind of kept their distance from us. The first couple of years wanted to see it proven out, and uh, and it was a combo of us doing it right, but also their members saying, "Hey, move our club championship to another week because we we're tired of picking between these two events. We want to play, and and our events essentially become a five county club championship, right? So right. so the uh, some of the courses took a couple of years to warm up to us, and now it's a uh, it's rubber stamp every year." 
We've, we added two events this year. Um, we added a two-player season opening event at, at Links of Firestone Farms. Great partnership. And they were willing, willing hosts. And then we're also going to do a par three shootout under the lights. We're going to bring highway construction lights into a Tippy Canoe Country Club. And I remember first introducing the idea to the guys and a couple of them, you know, and this is, this is kind of how our life goes. A couple of them kind of looked at me like, are you friggin' nuts? And then a couple of them looked at me like, that's the friggin' coolest thing I've heard. Give me five minutes and I'll call you back. And sure enough, uh, the guy rallied, you know, got the text messages going to the board, said Franco wants to do this next year. And I had the uh, blessing within five minutes. You guys are going to do that on hole nine, right? Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to put highway lights on nine and um, about 20 to 25 shooters are going to try and compete for, for prizes. Uh, we could use some prizes from, uh, from, from a local golf store. If you happen oh, to know. <laughs> I think I could arrange something. Absolutely. Yeah. No, um, Todd, with all the success you've had, it almost sounds like you're the, the PT Barnum of running a golf event. Uh, you know, have you had other places reach out to you or shadow you and try to replicate all the great things you've done? So, so on that note, Doc, thank you very much. I actually um, have teased myself as more PT Barnum than, than Benjamin Franklin in my career as a journalist. Um, so, no, we are actually, if you go to thegreatestgolfer.com, we are actually trying to open Columbus right now. And actually, it gets back to some of Zip's comments, too. Um, you know, there, there was a lucky nexus of the right people at the right time with the right need because down in Columbus partnered with the city parks department with six golf courses and a database of 5,000 golfers, we are actually struggling to get going. So we have about another week to see if we can get our numbers up. Um, and, uh, and, and we're struggling to see if we can get it going. So, you know, we're, I think the idea works, but it's also an idea that you, I don't think you pick it up and plop it in a town like, like a color run or a Tough mutter, or any of those 5K races or the Oktoberfests, you really need um, some validation. You need some strong local partnerships. And, again, I go back to those four Cs. It's got to have some commerce. Golfers want prize money. Golfers don't just want to play for prestige. Uh, but you also got to make sure that you make it a good community. So um, we got lucky. I'm trying to get Columbus going right now. And also, you know, anyone who hears this podcast, we'd, um, we'd love to bring our recipe out to other markets. We think it works for markets, um, probably Columbus, Akron, Lexington, and a larger, um, uh, I'm sorry, Youngstown, Akron, um, and a larger. So obviously Columbus and Lexington fit in there. I think anything smaller than a Youngstown just, just seems to be too small of a market, I think. So you got to have a good, you got to be able to build a community. And I think that's kind of where we're at now with 3,400 real golfers. When you add up, our scrambles, our long drive, our juniors, our adults, and our two-player championships. Those are the five components of greatest golfer of the Valley. When you add all those up, we've built a 3,400-member community. We're integrated with 25 charities, integrated with 15 golf courses, and there's about another 7,000 golfers on the sidelines watching us and talking about us. That's the, that's the coolest thing. So uh, we would love to take this model to any community who would want to partner with us. But um, for our new listeners that aren't real familiar with the event, but obviously you're giving great info and they're getting familiar with it, they're pricing at home or in their car right now wondering, where the hell do you put 3,500 golfers? So give us a little rundown of how the event works. Um, right. Right. So, 
each division, you know, all right. the finals. All right, so the 3,400 is a little fuzzy numbers. Don't go <laughs> don't go sending me to the IRS, but once I break it down, hopefully you'll buy into me that the 3,400 is uh, legit. So right. so our, 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 our cornerstone event is the 300 individual stroke play, 54-hole tournament golfers. That's been since year one, and that's what we still call home. In year two, we added juniors, and we had about 120 juniors playing with us. And then year three, we added um, the scramble component, which really gets our numbers up to, up to this number I keep touting. But if you bear with me, you'll understand it, that um, rather than having just another scramble and have it a come one, come all, swing what you can bring, whatever team comes, they're going to compete. We said, let's use the community we've built and create a scramble format where teams are competing to get to us. So when we, when we thought that through, we thought, well, let's partner up with the charity scrambles, the Poland football booster club, the American cancer society, the Akron children's hospital benefit, even the Letonia um, veterans, veterans club, uh, VFW. Um, so we, we have all sorts of charities in a five County area who have their annual scrambles. If you want to be in our scramble championship and play with the best scramble teams in the Valley, you have to win one of those 25 charity scrambles. So when I take those 25 charities and they're all at about 30 some teams, take those 30 some teams, multiply them times four times 25 events. That's where I get to our 3000 number. And the first couple of years, I kind of felt guilty using it, but year in year out, those 25 charities they're, they're on my phone and my email in December and January saying we're, we're back in, right? You're not going to kick us out. So those charities are as much a part of our fraternity. And I look at their membership and their total allotment of players as just as invested in greatest golfer as anybody is. So, so the scramble is a big component of our numbers. Kind of modeled it a little after the Oldsmobile scramble of the 90s. But, again, we put a little different twist on it. And all those charity scrambles get publicity through our big machines. So, um, you know, you got, I got a, a fundraiser for, for a lady with breast cancer. Um, you know, she's not part of some big hospital. She's not some big booster club, but her, uh, her brother and husband were putting it on and say, Hey, can we be part of greatest golfer? I just love the dynamic of a big mom, a big institution like Akron children's, but a small mom and pop like breathe for Mandy, you know? So, yeah. I like that. So, so that's it. The long drive is 30 gorillas who come out every year and beast it about 320 yards, 340 yards down the fairway. And then our, um, our, our two player championships. So that's how we get to 3,400 golfers. We tee off a little after uh, mother's day with the first scrambles. And then we uh, finish up uh, August 18th. Um, you finish up. Yeah. Mid August. And that's uh with the championship at, uh, at the Lake Club again this year? Yeah, so getting back to how we started, um, one of the keys uh, on that first day, that first meeting in the, uh, in the fall of 2009 was Mr. Moransky. Mr. Moransky is a um, key leader here in the Valley with uh, several businesses, but just an appetite for competition, Michigan football, Oakland Raiders, NFL, and he just loves com- competition and he loves championships. So when we presented this idea, he said, um, the golf is at my course, the Lake Club, and the golf is free. And from that initial invite to have – so now it's up to about a $7,000 bill a year that he writes off for our 90 golfers 
to come to his golf course for a championship event. So the Lake Club is one of our best courses. Mr. Moransky and his wife, Chris, are among the biggest uh, donors to, to, to Valley Needs. And that was a recipe right away that ignited golf. We were able to keep our starting price at 100 bucks because we knew that our championship um, event was going to be free. So we were able to keep that price down. Golfers sized us up on price, and it all worked out. Yeah, so that's awesome. Great to hear. Um, you know, these players, they get a chance, you know, with their registration and, you know, obviously the success of qualifying, they get to play, you know, Avalon Lakes, uh, you know, Squaw Creek or Youngstown Country Club, Tippecanoe Lake Club. So it's the best course. Yeah, for, our, for your listeners who aren't from here, our most prestigious courses in a five-county area have signed up for this, and they give us their best rate. They're not charging uh, primo rates. Even the courses – are in on the value of this. Now they get an economic benefit, which gets back to your, your thoughts Zip, about how we, how we rejuvenated golf and kind of helped it, helped it uh, ignite. Those courses get a lot of business and practice rounds and such, uh, but they're able to give us a pretty affordable rate for the actual tournament fee. And that again, allows us, you know, 135 bucks. Uh, I think, I think actually if you miss the deadline, it's 150 bucks. So 150 bucks, you're getting 36 holes for sure, and maybe a chance to play 54. Two of your three courses are going to be the best courses in the Valley. So, Todd, take just a minute to talk about the sponsors that have been with you for a long time. And we all know we can't do uh, these type of type of events without great support uh, in your community. And, and how can people find out more about the event and what you're doing there? Do you have a website? Do you promote on social media? Just kind of walk us through the sponsorship uh, and the connecting with folks as to how the event works. All right. So a couple quick answers there. Well, at least I'll try and be quick. I guess I haven't been quick all night. Uh, best thing to do is Google greatest golfer. Um, somebody who didn't believe us, who was doubting us, um, a friend of a friend said, it can't be that big. And so the guy says, all right, go to your phone. You've never heard of before. Type in greatest golfer. Tell me where we pop up on your search. The dude types in greatest golfer, and number one was Jack Nicholas, and number two was our pudgy little event in Northeast Ohio. So <laughs> Where's, Tiger? Type in, Where's Tiger on that list? Um, Tiger's in a link with Jack <laughs> Nicholas, but, uh, but it was this link for greatest golfers awesome. and, and Jack Nicholas. But, but number two was this Rust Belt. Um, meat and potatoes event that's if, so anywhere in the world if they're in google they type in greatest golfer they're going to see this this event over in the valley so um so type in greatest golfer the the home site there's two websites to go to our our mothership is vindy.com backslash golf but you can also find us at the greatest golfer.com so those two sites um the uh, sponsors have been huge doc um our our third phone call so dennis miller Ed Moransky, we had to go get funding. We called Farmers National Bank. That was in the fall of 2009. Now in the um, almost in the fall of 2019, and they've not they've not flinched yet. In 10 years, their biggest investment in any one local single event is this. They do remind us that every year, but they're proud partners to say it's our biggest expense, but it's our most proud expense. So Farmers National Bank. Um, Cavelli Enterprises is the single largest franchisee of Panera Breads in in the in the U.S. They've been a, a great partner for us. Um, Superior Beverage, Coors Light, Miller Light, just fantastic partners who've actually were the ones who were catalysts for us to get going down in Columbus this year. 
and then a smattering of, of uh, next year, folks, Phantom Fireworks joined us this year, HBK. So it's, it's a great collection, folks. I had a dad, um, and he's, 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 he's kind of a humble dude, doesn't want his name mentioned. He's on our website, Zip. But he, his son was just a middle-of-the-pack player in juniors last year, graduated from Canfield. But he loved the energy, loved the passion, loved the commitment, and he, and he signed up as a sponsor this year. Doesn't care where his name gets bounced around. He just wants to invest in something that brought a lot of joy to his kid and also to the faces that he sees of the kids hanging out at the golf courses. So that's the cool investment that we bump into a lot. And, and you know, I've played in a lot of uh, pretty cool events over the years of my lifetime, and this sounds like something that is unlike anything I've ever heard of. So kudos to you, Todd, and for everyone that you work with on your committee uh, there as chairman of the greatest golfer of the Valley Tournament. And, uh, I mean, it, it sounds like a great time. I want to hop in the car zip and uh, come down and play that scramble format. Yeah, I yep. think, yeah, Doc, I think we, we would love to have you come on up. And uh, anyone should go check out our fun on, on Facebook, Greatest Golfer of the Valley. But uh, you have a special invite if you want to come on up, Doc. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for being here. And, Zip, I'll let you take it home with our special guest, Todd Franco. Todd, thanks so much, brother. Uh, great to have you on. I'm so happy with all the success you've had and the event has had. And um, best of luck going forward. I know you've got some busy weeks ahead of yourself. Hopefully you'll get a chance to get out and tee it up. Maybe we'll even tee it up together. But, um, uh, you know, best of luck the rest of the way. And um, hopefully I'll see you soon, my friend. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap for us, folks. We uh, enjoy spending some time with you. And we want to thank all of our listeners uh, continue to share the podcast out with people. We want to continue to grow the number of people that listen to the DTM podcast. And uh, from there, Zip, what do you always say when you wrap up each blog? Enjoy the game and each other. Thanks, Doc. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, folks, that's it. And as always, keep it down the middle. Down the Middle with Doc and Zip is sponsored by GolfHQ.com. From tee to green and head to toe, GolfHQ.com is the place to go. We also want to tell you about the perfect spot for your next golf trip with stay-and-play packages available at Cherry Blossom and Longview Golf Clubs in historic Georgetown, Kentucky. Located just 12 miles from Lexington, your visit to the heart of horse country not only includes two great golf courses, but just might lead you to attractions such as the Keeneland Racetrack, a University of Kentucky sporting event, or a trip down the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. To book your golf trip, visit longviewgolfclub.com.